I'm Divya. And I'm Rachel. And we're your hosts for today's episode of the Mentorship Spotlight, where we help you get in the know about potential options and opportunities after undergrad. Today, we're talking about the Masters of Science with Lara Virgilio, who's going into her first year at Dalhousie University this September. The Mentorship Spot acknowledges that we are on the traditional territories of the Anishinaabe Mississaugas of the Credit First Nations, Iroquois and Huron-Wendat peoples. We'll start off with some icebreakers, and for that we have a wheel that we're going to spin, and we'll ask you a question from whichever category it lands on. So let's give this a spin. All right, so we've landed on boredom busters. So Lara, tell us a little bit about your favorite new hobby during COVID-19. Oh, um, I would say I've been really getting back into reading. Um, so with, you know, with school and just constant busyness, I lost a lot of um, free time. Uh, so I really just I've been reading more books lately and going outside trying to go on as many walks as possible. Um, but yeah, that's mostly it. It's been pretty <laughs> relaxing over my end over here. Sure. What kind of stuff have you been reading? Um, so I've been reading some fantasy um, and some historical fiction. I have so many books that I have yet to read that I've collected over the years. I used to work in a bookstore, actually. So yes, lots of books that have just been sitting around throughout my undergrad. So I'm ready. Wow, that's yeah, a great it. icebreaker question. Then. <laughs> we already found out your entire past. <laughs> All right, we'll go ahead and spin the wheel another time. And our second quick question for you is what are you most excited for after COVID-19? Oh my gosh. Um, honestly, like seeing my friends and going to a restaurant and just, you know, the basic things that we took for granted um, before all of this happened. I'm just so excited to just like reconnect with my friends and see them. And yeah, what, what about both of you? For sure. I think that one probably tops the list for me just to be able to get out and see people like in person that I haven't seen in a while. Like mostly it's just been Zoom calls. So definitely want to do that. Even like the mentorship spot, we haven't actually met the entire group in person. It's all been virtual. So definitely hoping for that to happen. So that's probably on the top of my list right now. How about you, Rachel? Yeah, I mean, I'll echo what you both have said. It would be nice to go back to some in-person things, although I also really love musicals, so I'm excited to go back to watching them, maybe even go to New York at some point. Hopefully that'll be able to happen in the next year or two. Me too. Like going to a live show is yeah. just a concert. Oh my goodness. Broadway is apparently opening full capacity in September. So Really? Yeah. Wow exciting yeah it is exciting. yeah <laughs> I love how it's the little little things that we're hoping for that that like open up soon so fingers crossed okay mm -hmm. one last icebreaker so this is uh, gonna be features favorite so we ask the people that come on our podcasts uh our favorite something so Laura tell us about your favorite food oh my gosh favorite food I love Italian food so like spaghetti lasagna pizza the whole works um, I can't pick, honestly, but I also really love um, udon. It's so good. I just like like the the fried udon with like vegetables. It's just amazing. I would yeah. say that's got to take the cake for me. <laughs> for sure. I love Italian food, cheese and it's like pasta. It it hits. <laughs> it does. It's amazing. 
Yeah, I agree. <laughs> just any kind of noodles, spaghetti in general from like anywhere. I love it. <laughs> yes, this is amazing. We're all like bonding over these icebreaker questions. <laughs> I love it. All right, I guess we will get more into our involved questions, more about your program and your path towards getting there. Uh, so we'll start off with what undergraduate program did you attend and how did that influence your decision for grad school? Yeah, so I actually, um, I attended the honors biology program at Mac. Um, so uh, for those of you that don't know, it's, uh, it starts off like as a life science gateway program. So you enter in your first year in like a general life science and then in your second year you're able to specialize so you can go into biology biochemistry um, psychology Um, so I started out with that and it's my program specifically was very open so we were able to um, kind of have a lot of freedom to take whatever courses we wanted you could fit um, with the amount of electives that you had in my program you could fit like two minors if you planned everything right so there was a lot of freedom and so with that I was able to take a lot of lab and research-based courses which really like ignited my um, my interest for research and so um yeah it was just the the kind of like freedom of the program that I was able to explore various different areas of like the the biology field and so that's what really helped me kind of gain that interest. For sure. That's amazing. I think that your undergraduate degree really does determine what you want to do next in life, right? Um, I do want to ask, though, like in terms of extracurriculars that you did, how did they play a role in influencing your decision? So I was actually in, I got like more involved towards the end of my undergrad, well, more in the middle, like in my third year. Um, So I was able to be a part of the biology society in my third and fourth year and I returned for a fifth year so just to you know take a couple more courses and do my thesis so I started out with that and that was a really great um, opportunity I I worked with like a team of three and we did um, like we were the uh, communications team so we did a lot of promotion for events we made um, apparel for biology students but another big portion of being an executive member was also like hosting events and doing review sessions for first year biology courses, as well as uh, hosting office hours. And so there was like a lot of opportunity to really get to know like the, the younger students and gain a connection with them and work with, you know, people from various areas of biology. So there were in the society, we had, you know, people from various programs like molecular biology, general biology, biochem. So it was a really great experience to meet people. And so kind of um, as like a third year, I met a lot of uh, fourth year and fifth year students. Some students were doing um, or already did co-op or some students were doing their thesis. So kind of talking with them, that was another great experience to um, kind of broaden my horizons about the possibilities of what I could do afterwards. And I actually got a lot of advice from uh, several of the senior students about how to approach doing like an undergrad thesis. And so that was like another kind of moment where it opened a lot of doors for me to be able to network and, um, you know, just expand my, my horizons about what I wanted to do afterwards. 
Yeah, that's really cool. That's definitely something that we've heard sort of in our different podcasts that we've done, the importance of networking and getting help from upper year students when you're doing your undergrad. Mm -hmm. I think it can really help us sort of answer what you want to do both during your undergrad and also what you want to do after and how you can set yourself up for that. That's great. And you don't realize too how many, like how much experience and advice that like the upper years have, like and, you know, you think like for me, I was in third year, I thought I knew so much. And then you walk in there and there's like, you know, people that are a year older than you that are like, hey, I have all these, all this experience and I know all this stuff. And it's just, it's amazing. It's, it's really great. That's like a huge thing that really enhanced my undergrad, just getting involved in several student um, run organizations. So I really recommend it. Yeah, for sure. So beyond every year students, um, what else sort of helped influence your decision to actually go and pursue a master's in science? Um, I guess you can talk more about your research experience and stuff like that. Yeah, so um, it was kind of like, it took me a while to decide what I wanted to pursue. So for a while, it was kind of, you know, do I do a professional program or a professional course-based master's, like a you know, masters of public health or like a biotechnology type of degree or do research based. So for me, the decision kind of like came to light when I started my undergrad thesis this past year, which was an amazing experience. Um, My lab was really big. So it was like super awesome to collaborate with so many students. And my supervisor was incredible. So just kind of like getting that experience of being in a lab and like having your own little community and everybody's like so helpful and it's just such a like it was such a positive growing and learning experience for me and that was something that really like solidified like yes like I want to join the lab I want to kind of be a part of a community like this again and there's a lot of like at least with like the lab that I was in this year, there was a lot of freedom to choose what topic we wanted to do um, within like the research subjects that my professor worked on and just like really develop your skills independently as a researcher and learn to think critically. So that experience in general was just something that like was just so positive and really kind of made up my mind about, okay, I want to try this you know I want to go into research and see how it goes and so yeah it was just great so I would say that was a big factor as well definitely I think it's like your surroundings that also help you pave the path right like if you work with a prof and you realize oh my gosh this is what I like you you want to learn more about it and go into it right Mm -hmm. or you learn you don't want to do that or that exactly (laughs) Exactly. yeah yeah for sure it's you know like it's a great experience to kind of dip your toe in and say, okay, am I going to like, is this something I'm going to like, is this something I want to do? Because uh, obviously um, like an undergrad thesis, especially well during COVID was a very different experience to what um, a lot of people in the past have experienced, but there, you know, it's just kind of like, it helps you give you that little taste of, is this something that I want to do for, for the next two years, if you decide to pursue a master's or, do PhD which is even longer so for sure it's it's I you know given the opportunity I highly recommend um, getting some kind of research experience whether that's a thesis or even um, McMaster offers a lot of um, other courses that are not as many units or as many credits 
So you can do like a, like a small one-term research um, exper like experiment type thing in, in one semester. And so that enough is also enough to give you kind of an idea of sure. the, the vibe, you know? Exactly. No, and it's such a big time commitment to you want to make sure this is what you want to get yourself into. You want to test the waters, right? Exactly. For sure. So you're attending grad school in Nova Scotia. I do have to ask why specifically this school, especially in the maritime so far away? I want to go there, but it's like so far <laughs> away. Why this choice? I'd have to ask. Yeah, so I actually I visited Halifax um, in the past and I really love the city. It's such an amazing place. The vibe is just like it's just it's such a positive place. It's right next to the ocean. And like, you know, when you're downtown, it's just I don't know. I just really loved the city. I thought it was such a nice place. And you know, I also like spent some time on Dalhousie campus, just kind of walking around. And I also really liked the campus. It was so nice. And a lot of people are like really, really nice. Like when I was contacting professors, like everybody was so sweet. It was just like a really like positive experience. And so, um, you know, I just like, I just thought I really, really like this area. I really like the school. And Dalhousie is actually very research intensive as well. So I don't know if you both know of um, the U15. It's like this association in Canada where they have, I think it's uh, well, 15 universities that are um, considered like research intensive or they're part of this group. And so Dal is part of that. Um, so they have a lot of really amazing opportunities for research and um, a lot of great um, funding opportunities too for scholarships. So I just thought like, I love the city, I love the school, it's research intensive, why not, let's go. So yes, I love it there. That's great, I love that mentality, like you really love where you're going, so that's great. All right, so we've heard about your background and why you wanted to um, pick the masters that you did. Can you walk us through your application process? Uh, what sort of goes into applying for grad school? Yeah, so usually, what you would do first, depending on the program that you're um, looking into, you usually have to apply to a lab first. And so what you would do is you would look at potential supervisors in the department that you're interested in kind of going for. And so you would look at their you know, research publications, their like kind of biography, which is usually on the department website when you're doing your research and kind of read up on if you're interested in what they're studying. And so from there, you connect with them independently. So you send them an email, you would typically include your transcript, usually unofficial transcript, um, CV and a cover letter kind of detailing your experience, uh, why you're interested and why you'd be a good fit for their lab. And then kind of wait for their response and um, so for my program and a lot of other master's programs that I've looked into, you actually have to have a supervisor secured before applying. So like you need a supervisor to say, okay, yes, you're a good fit. Like I'll supervise you. I agree to supervise you. And then um, you're able to formally apply. And that's like the biggest um, factor into getting accepted or not. But again, there, it, it does depend because there are some other research-based 
masters that don't require that. They just require you to apply and then they match you with a lab afterwards. So it really just depends. Um, so I would say, so that's kind of like the first kind of general step, just looking into what area you want to do and then reaching out with potential supervisors. And then from there, once you're accepted, you can actually um, apply to the program. So that's kind of like the general process. Okay, I see. I do have to ask if there's any non-academic prerequisites to applying for a master's. Like there is like the emailing and whatnot, but are there anything else that you have to consider? So I would say like there aren't actually really, like again, depending on the program, there aren't a lot of really strict requirements. So they, of course, with academics, they ask you to have a certain GPA. Usually it's in your last two years. Some programs ask overall CGPA. And then uh, for my program, I had to have a, um, like a research-based degree. So like either doing um, like an undergrad thesis. So that was a requirement as well. As for non-academic, I would say typically no, like they, they don't really ask um, for anything of that. It depends on the lab that you're applying to. So like your professor might ask for evidence of leadership capabilities, your ability to work in teams. So usually, you know, when you're sending your CV and your cover letter, you would include um, your involvement in extracurriculars. Uh, you'd also include um, potential references from work who could you know describe your ability to do all of those things and have those skills right so I would say it, it's more on when you're looking for a supervisor and connecting with professors that that's like the most important thing um, but when you're actually applying to a program it's just like kind of a checklist like do you meet the academic requirements does the supervisor agree to take you is there funding available and that's mostly like once that's kind of through, then it's, yeah, it's a pretty easy process from there. Mm -hmm. That sounds great. All right. So can you walk us through sort of what the progression of your master's will look like? Like, do you have to take any courses or is it going to be sort of in the lab the entire time? How long will it take? What skills do you want to get? That's sort of a big question, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So again, it, um, the kind of progression of what your master's looks like depends on the degree that you're doing. So mine is research-based or thesis-based as they call it. And um, yeah, so you're basically the majority of the time working on your thesis. So you're in the lab, you're collecting data, analyzing data, but you're also, um, there is a requirement for my program at least um, to present at a depart departmental uh, seminar so um, you have to just like present your research in front of like your peers and in front of other um, professors in the department. Um, so that's, again, the biggest thing, but you do take a couple of courses on top. So the majority of masters that I looked at require you to take, um, I believe two, one or two um, communication courses, specifically like scientific communication. So these would be, you know, to help you develop your uh, writing skills, your um, presentation skills. And those are like mostly like the like what they require you to take um, just to help you develop all of those skills that are really essential for research. Um, and then after that, you do have room for a few courses that you can take on top. And these would be like your 
like the courses we're used to in undergrad, like the kind of content heavy courses um, within the field that you're doing your master's in. And you actually have like quite a bit of freedom of what you can take. And you usually work with um, your supervisor and your uh, committee to kind of decide what to take um, and what would be most beneficial for you. So uh, that's kind of like the general overview. Yeah, that's, that's about it, I would say. And it's about usually um, the programs are two years. So you can complete it earlier, but that's like the general time frame of full time. And um, you also have the opportunity to be a TA. So for my program, it's a requirement to be like a lab TA for one semester, but it's open to you if there's um, spots open for TAing, you can do it every semester. And so it's a really great way to um, make some money as well on the side. For sure. Wow. That still sounds very intensive, though, like an intense, like packed two years, though. For yes, sure. for sure. Yes. All the best with that. Um, so we've talked a little bit about your inspiration for pursuing a master's, the application pro uh, progress. Tell us a little bit about some of the challenges you faced pursuing this pathway and how you overcame them. Yeah, so for me, it was actually, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. It was just kind of deciding what I wanted to pursue afterwards. There was, you know, there's so many options of um, professional programs, master's programs, and different areas as well. So it was actually kind of a struggle for me to pick, you know, which route do I want to go? And then once I actually decided, okay, I want to do like a master's of science, what area specifically I wanted to do. Um, and so there's, you know, there's a lot of things to consider as well, which was another kind of challenge, just, you know, looking at the school itself, the program, the research that you're doing, um, and even the, the city that you're going to live in, because you're going to be there, you know, full time and your master's goes through the summer as well. So you're there for a while and if you're relocating you want it to be somewhere that you enjoy being so all of this kind of became like much more clear to me once I thought about my future goals and um, what I wanted to gain from my master's education so like I said being uncertain about your your decisions is a really common thing so I would just you know just to overcome it I would just suggest taking your time and really like I, I used to plan a lot, but I feel like there's only so much planning you can do about what you want to pursue exactly and what lab you want to go into or what research exactly. But I think when you really just kind of open your mind and say, okay, there's all these opportunities in front of me and you just go with the flow with what you know feels right and what works, then it makes the process so much easier. So just kind of like enjoying the process that it's, you know, kind of discovering what what you want to do is a really exciting thing. There's so many opportunities and it's like the, you know, options are endless, right? Absolutely. The world is yours. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for uh, going over your challenges. Uh, we have one final question, which is what advice do you have that you can give to undergraduates currently interested in research or pursuing a master's of science? Yes. So I would say that the most important thing aside from your grades and your research experience are your references. 
Um, so these are absolutely critical because the majority of master's programs, if not all master's programs I've seen, require references. And usually it's, you know, two to three, depends on the school, depends on the program. Um, and from what I've seen, at least at the majority of schools I've looked at, they're typically academic references. So I would say, you know, to really get, you know, build relationships and build a connection with your professors, especially in your second and your third year. Um, because for, you know, most people who typically do four-year programs, you're, when you're applying to your master's, you're typically applying to labs in, you know, October. So it's really just, you know, kind of relying on your fourth year to get those references in is, is pretty, like you're cutting it close. So I would say start kind of developing those relationships as soon as you can and get to know your professors. And most of the time professors are just like so sweet and nice and just want to help you out. Um, so just, you know, making sure to make those connections is really, really important because um, when you're applying to labs, your prospective supervisor will ask you for references and even when you're applying to the program itself. Um, so that's really important. Another thing um, I would say is also to take your time and doing research on where you wanna go and what schools you're interested in. Sometimes some professors have uh, wait lists since their labs are full for a couple of years because not only do you have to, when you're applying, you know, apply to a, a lab and there's like all this funding stuff that's going on too, um, there's, you know, sometimes some professors don't have any spots um, because their funding is, you know, being used by other students or, you know, whatever the case may be. So don't get discouraged if like the lab that you've been kind of waiting for for a few years isn't open or doesn't have any availability because there's a lot of amazing professors out there and so many opportunities. Um, and another thing too, when you're contacting professors, Try not to get dis discouraged as well if you don't hear back right away. That's another big thing. I know um, for me, I was pretty nervous to get in touch with um, professors from schools that were not my own, you know, different institutions. They don't know me, right? So making that good impression is um, really important as well. But don't be afraid to follow up if it doesn't, you know, you don't hear back. And also to reach out to as many supervisors as you can because again, there's a lot of opportunities out there and you never know who's gonna say yes, right? And also I would say another important thing is to, if you can, to connect with graduate students that are in the lab that you're interested in. So they'll be able to really guide you on the application process, what working in the lab is like, um, as well as like the program itself and to give you some advice. So um, that's an, another thing, too, that you can try. Um, and my last thing is don't self-reject. I know a lot of us tend to do that, right? You kind of, you look at a lab or you look at a, you know, a group and you're like, oh, you know, I really want to apply here, but I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough. But, you know, when you, when you do that and you don't apply, you just like limit yourself, right? So it's really, it's easier said than done, of course. It takes a lot of confidence building. And, you know, sometimes you got to go through some really hard rejections here and there. But at the end of the day, the worst that someone can say is my lab is full, or I don't have funding, or no, you know, and so <laughs> 
at the end of the day, that's like the worst that you're probably going to hear. And it's better to just kind of know that, hey, I gave it my best shot instead of wondering, oh, like, what if, right? So that that's another really important thing um, that I know a lot of us do. So just kind of just kind of go with it and see where it takes you. And I'm sure you're going to end up in such an amazing place when you actually just put yourself fully out there and accept those rejections, right? Because, you know, it happens. It's life. We, some things are just not, you know, a good fit or they're not, it's not the right time, but that's okay because there's lots of other opportunities out there that could be even better. Yes, of course. Laura, thank you so much for all of that advice. That's, it was amazing. And definitely, it's always important to, you know, it's okay to fail, but never accept that failure. Because once you accept it, you're like, you're already at the rock bottom. Don't do that. That's, that's, I really like how you mentioned that. Absolutely. I also just want to add in what you're not hearing on the podcast is Divya and I aggressively nodding our heads at that advice. That was fantastic (laughs) advice. You should definitely all be taking it. Even if you're not interested in doing science, I think the the, um, not self-rejecting thing especially is really important for any program or anyone's life in general. So amazing advice. Thank you. 100%. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything else that you feel like we missed in terms of questions that you'd like to mention here? I think that that's about it, I would say. Um, You know, obviously there's so much that I probably didn't cover with the general process with, um, with applying the masters. Like, you know, there's, for me, when I first started applying like funding and scholarships, that was a whole other thing that I, I thought, what is this? (laughs) Right. But, um, you know, there's most of the time the, the department that you're in doing your undergrad when you're in fourth year, they usually do kind of like information sessions for applying to grad school. I know McMaster did, so I'm sure that the same applies to other schools and programs. Um, so attend those, you know, they really give you so much information about um, how to apply to your master's, what to expect, and just applying to um, scholarships and like other funding like NSERC and things like that, which is like a really big thing when you're pursuing a master's because the funding is, you have to be funded, right, to be able to do the research. Um, So that's probably something that I miss kind of talking about in the process for, but there's so many resources available out there to you. So just like look into that and don't be, don't be afraid of it. You know, it's like, there's a lot of opportunities out there. And um, most of the time when you're applying as well to a master's, the professor, if they agree to take you on, they have the funding. And that's something that you kind of work out uh, independently with them. Um, but yeah, I would say that's basically the general gist of everything. All right, amazing. Thank you so much. So that brings us to the end of this episode of the Mentorship Spotlight. Thank you so much to Lara again for being our guest and best of luck as you get started with your master's this September. Thank you so much, both of you. This was so great. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this, make sure to check out more of our bi-weekly episodes where we'll be talking with people across different fields at various stages of their careers. You can find us on Spotify and at TheMentorshipSpot.com where we publish lots of information about university and pathways once you leave. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.